If you're here for the first time on Sunday nights, we kind of um, get away from the three points in the poem and do a study from God's Word. We usually will study from a book in the Bible or we'll study some theme or subject. And uh, been doing a deal on spiritual gifts, and that's where we've been for the last four or five weeks. I'd like for you to open the New Testament that you have, or your Bible, for you to open that to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we'll be looking at some verses there in just a moment. It's Christmas Eve, and uh, you're one of those parents that uh, waits till the last minute to uh, put together these toys that you've bought, maybe a swing set or whatever. And so you get your, your toy down and get it out in the living room, whatever it is, and you open the box, and there are all these pieces, bolts and taps and washers and everything. You kind of... Does this sound like anybody you know? You dump it all out in the middle of the floor there and get it all as just thousands of pieces to this puzzle you're about to put together, about to, to make. And everything is there that you need except the instructions. They forgot to put in the box how to make it. And you've got all this material there and you don't know how to put it together. I think a lot of times that's where Christian people are in the Christian life. Especially is that true with regard to spiritual gifts. We've heard about spiritual gifts since we became a Christian. That spiritual gifts are skills, are abilities that God gives the recipient whereby He can perform a function in the church with ease, pleasure, and success. That is the definition of a spiritual gift. A skill or ability that the Holy Spirit gives you when He comes to indwell you at salvation that enables you to perform in the body a, a, a function that, that you do with skill and pleasure and success. And we've talked about those kinds of gifts and we've kind of categorized them as it relates to the church, as they relate to the church. Said so there are support gifts, those are the upfront gifts, the gifts that edify the church, apostleship and evangelism and uh, pastor teachers. Uh, we've said that there are service gifts, those gifts that that kind of uh, encourage the body. One shapes them up and the other ships them out. Service gifts. And they're not the upfront gifts and they don't have the, the uh, notoriety of the support gifts. And you've tried, I, I assume, I trust, you've tried to identify your spiritual gift. And you've come to the point, how do you do that? What is my spiritual gift? How do I determine what is my spiritual gift? We've got all the parts. We understand all the parts. Now, how do you put it together? Well, before we begin that tonight, I want to show you something in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 
I want you to look with me at um, verse 14. It says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Now, we need to break that down. Those eight words are so pregnant with meaning. In the first place, the imperative is to stop something that is, that is going on now. In other words, he's saying literally, stop neglecting the spiritual gift that's within you. You have a spiritual gift and you've been neglecting it. The word neglect means to be careless about. It means to, um, uh, to let go by, to fail to, to, fail to play, pay close attention to. Now Paul is saying, Timothy, you need to stop being so careless about your spiritual gift, which was bestowed upon you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of, the, of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them. What a word. Now stop neglecting being careless about your spiritual gift. Be absorbed in it and, and by it. Take pains with it so that your progress may be evident to all. Now, now well, watch this. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Does he mean that, that you've got to discover your spiritual gift and manifest or you won't be saved? No, he doesn't mean that at all. The word salvation there means to be whole, to be complete. Now what he's saying is this, that if you do not manifest your spiritual gift, discover it and manifest it, you're never going to be complete as a Christian. And the people around you will never be complete. Your church will be incomplete and you yourself will be incomplete. So that if you don't want to lack as a Christian, you must discover your spiritual gift, be absorbed with it, and take pains concerning it. Now the whole, first, the whole fourth chapter of 1 Timothy is, is loaded with imperatives. Now an imperative in the Greek is a commandment that has no option. You don't have an option in this. It is not something you can take or leave it's not something you can choose or reject. It is just an imperative. You must do it. For example, look at the imperative in verse 7. But have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Don't give attention to fables, but discipline yourself to godliness. Verse 11, prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Now, let me say parenthetically, that people always, especially young people, want to know what, what, is, what, is it, what is a mature person? I'm a mature person, someone might say. Well, I'm mature for my age. There are five um, ingredients of maturity in verse 12, and they are what you say, your speech, how you act, your love, your faith, and your purity. Mature people manifest, these, uh, are, uh, manifest maturity in these areas. 
Then he comes on the heels of that to say in verse 16, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Now up in verse 13 he says that we need to give attention to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. I want you to underline that because you've just discovered Timothy's spiritual gift. I'm absolutely convinced that Paul is telling Timothy, your spiritual gifts are the gift of exhortation, which means encouragement, a person who is able to encourage another, to give strength to another. You remember when we talked about this as a service gift? Uh, it means it's the same word where you get the word Holy Spirit, one called alongside. It's a person who can just give encouragement to other people. And his second spiritual gift was teaching. And he says to Timothy, these are your spiritual gifts. Now you give attention to these. Exhortation and teaching. Now the man who wrote this is a man who, who had a 180 degree turn in his Christian life. And so right there from, from, from at this point I want us to turn to chapter 9 of the book of Acts. And I want us to take a look at the apostle's life because I want to show you how to discover your spiritual gift from the, from the conversion of the apostle. Because I believe that there are four principles to follow in the apostle's conversion, the apostle Paul, in his conversion that will help you discover your spiritual gift. How to put it all together. How to discover your spiritual gift. Okay, number one. From chapter 9... B, this is A in the four principles of how to know your spiritual gift. Be informed. Be informed. Okay, let's look at verse 9, verse 1. I mean, chapter 9, verse 1. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And it came about that as he journeyed, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? When you stand against God's people, you stand against God. And he said, Who art thou, sir? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. Now, now, now the Lord is speaking to him. It says, I want you to go and enter the city of Damascus, and I'm going to give you my plan. I'm going to give you my, my plan for your life. I'm going to show you, I'm going to inform you what I want you to do in life. Now, now God has a plan and He puts everybody together in the church that He desires and He wants us to know that plan. He wants us to know where we fit in. That's what He's telling the Apostle. Now, now skip down to verse... Uh, 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, here I am. 
And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now skip to verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. I will show him his place in my plan. So the first step in discovering your spiritual gift is to be informed. Do you know what the spiritual gifts are? Do you understand what they're about? Now, there, um, there are several ways that you can become informed about spiritual gifts. One, you might want to get a tape, some of these tapes of the services on Sunday evening. You might want to get a book on spiritual gifts and begin to read it. But at least you need to dig into the matter of spiritual gifts on your own to discover what spiritual gifts are about. You need to become informed. Let me give you an illustration. There are some of you tonight who are here who are single. You're, you're kind of single and waiting, you know. Now somewhere, um, uh, believe it or not, God has just the right person for you. I, I believe that. And uh, one of these days, He may bring you together. But you're never going to know the person that God has for you in life and marriage if you don't get out and meet that person, right? Now there's a difference between meeting somebody and pursuing them. You know, but at least you know you got nobody is going to find the person you know for for you or the person in your life if you're going to lock yourself up in your room and never come out. Now you're never going to know God's plan for your life if you don't come out of your room and discover, become informed about spiritual gifts. It is absolutely imperative to be informed. Secondly, you need to be inquisitive. Now follow with me verse 17, chapter 9. And Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, notice he said Brother Saul, evidently somewhere along there before he was baptized, uh, Saul became a brother, a Christian. It's important. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he arose and was baptized. Now, take, hold your place right there. I want you to turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 1. It's important that everybody turn to that epistle. Galatians chapter 1. Because in Galatians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul tells us something about what he did that is found nowhere else in the New Testament. Okay? Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 and following. The greatest commentary on 
the books of the Bible is another book in the Bible. And that's true with Galatians. It's a tremendous commentary to Romans and the book of Acts. So we're going to look at verse 11 of chapter 1. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it by man, understood, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. This word came directly from the Lord to me. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure, try to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral tradition. But when He who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me. I want you to underline that because that is the essence of the Christian gospel. God wants to reveal His Son in you. Now, if, if, if spiritual gifts make up the body of Christ, what, what, what God wants to do is to reveal His Son in you. That's why He saved you. And He cannot reveal His Son in you unless you're manifesting the gifts of His Son, you see. Now, He said, that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later I went up to, to, to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. At least three years the Apostle Paul went in to uh, to a kind of obscurity, and there in that obscurity he was working out God's plan for his life. Now, um, it will take some solitude on your part to discover God's gift for you. It'll take some solitude on your part. Now, I'd like to tell you that discovering spiritual gifts it's just like, kind of like osmosis. You know, you can say, hey, that's, that's mine. It just doesn't work that way. If you're ever going to discover your spiritual gift, it's going to mean there's got to be some Arabias somewhere in your life, in your schedule, where you just get alone in God's Word and in prayer. Now, it's interesting that that a lot of times somebody will, you know, come into the church and just immediately, you know, we just grab them and, you know, we give them a job and, and we say, you know, we want you to teach this Sunday school class. Hey, he's got a tremendous personality. We'll put him with a young married couples class and just really put them to work. And, 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 and no wonder there's so many Christians within the church who are unhappy and, 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 and dissatisfied. Um. And the reason we even allow that as Christians is because we really don't understand or know what our spiritual gifts are. Would you take some time to be inquisitive and get alone in obscurity and find God's will for you? Number three, be involved. Be involved. Be informed, be inquisitive, be involved. 
Now I need you to look at verse 21. We're back in the ninth chapter of Acts again. And all those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, Is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on, on this name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews. That's evangelism. He had the gift of evangelism. And confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. All right, skip down to verse 28. And he was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of Jesus. Now somewhere between verse 20 and verses between verse 20 and verse 28 the apostle Paul had gone to Jerusalem had gone to Arabia and now he was back in Jerusalem and was involved in speaking in the name of Jesus. One of the purposes of the local church is this it is a place where you may exercise your spiritual gift. It is a place where you may exercise your spiritual gift. Now, I want to speak tonight, not to those, some of you are involved. I mean, you're so involved, you don't have time to do anything else. You're heavenly involved. But there, there, there are some of you who are not. I want to speak primarily to you and to this large number of people who watch on Sunday night to this television service. And so the rest of you can kind of, you know, and just kind of listen in. I want to speak to those who are not involved, who are just watching, or maybe you're out here tonight, and you're not really involved in the life and ministry of the church. Some college students, some young people, some of you. The great thing about a church is, one of the great things about the church is that it becomes a tool to help you get involved and you will never know, you will never really grasp your spiritual gift perhaps until you get involved in the life of the church and put that, um, what you feel to be your spiritual gift into action. And if you feel this is my spiritual gift and you get involved in the life of the church in that area where you're able to exercise that spiritual gift and it, you don't do it with ease and pleasure and success, you know, by trial and error you say, well, hey, this is not my spiritual gift. And you look for another place to exercise that spiritual gift. The only place on earth that God has given us to where we are to exercise the spiritual gift is in the church. It's, to, it's for the body of Christ. Now you get involved in a church. If you're watching by television, you get involved in a church and you begin to manifest your spiritual gift as you understand it, whether it's support gift or service gift, and, and see if this is where God has uh, placed you, if this is where you're to, to, to serve and to minister. You'll never exercise your spiritual gift sitting in a living room somewhere, you know, or just sitting in a church enjoying a sermon, you know, or 
listening to a message. You, you, you cannot exercise a spiritual gift doing that. Now, um, I, I was reading the other day uh, that on any given Sunday, you can watch 30 electronics preachers. I mean, uh, you can turn on television on Sunday morning and you can literally go to midnight if you're that crazy, you know, watching preaching, you know, preachers. And, and I suppose that we are set in a living room 24 hours on Sunday and we can get these programs in the evening watching these preachers, listening to their sermons, and that's great. But you cannot exercise a spiritual gift unless you get involved in a church. And you're not going to be whole as a Christian, we've already established that, until you're exercising your spiritual gift. And it's absolutely, uh, you're absolutely lacking just to come to church and listen to the sermon. You need to get involved in some way in the life of that church. Now there are some things you can do in teaching. There are some things you can do in visitation and evangelism. If you don't feel like that's your spiritual gift, you can get involved in the, you know, in the, in the uh, uh, television ministry. You can be an audio director. You can, a guy came up to me the other day uh, when we were having our luncheon and it was one of the most thrilling things that I've heard since I've been here. And this is going to seem kind of hokey to you, but he said, look, he said, I, my spiritual gifts are not in the area of support gifts. But he said, I, I am one of those service gift people. He said, if you'll find me some things to do. He said, I can't uh, say the hours, you know, like one, one o'clock to three o'clock every day or something like that. He said, you know, I've seen people um, mowing the lawn here. Do you, do you pay people to mow the lawn? He said, I can mow the lawn. He said, I, that's my spiritual gift. And that's what it's all about. And you cannot do that until you get involved in the life of a church. Would you do it? That's what the church is about. It's to give you an opportunity to play, put into practice your spiritual gift. Fourth, and I'm through. Be interested. Be interested. You need to be interested in two things. You need to be interested in what, is, what God is doing in two areas. You need to be interested in the results. The results. Are you at ease what you're doing? Now, I, I'm, I, as a pastor and as a, an, administration, an, an, an administrator of a church uh, program and organization, I, I'm really torn here. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm in a rock, between a rock and a hard place a lot of times. I know there are people who are involved in the life of this church who are not happy at what they're doing, and yet they have to be there or it'll go undone. I mean, there's some people that are doing some things in this church. They're doing it totally out of the necessity of somebody doing it, and they're miserable at it, and they're not successful. And, you know, and, and what do you do? Do you say, well, look, we'd rather that just go just be uh, left undone or, you know, let somebody do it and, and be unhappy and get it done halfway. I, I don't know which is, which is the right thing to do there. It's a shame that, that there are so many people who are not involved in the life of this church 
that we have to use people in areas where they're not gifted. It's a tragedy. And I don't know, I don't think, it's, I don't think this church is any different than any other. But I, I'll, I'll, I'll wind up my ministry here in a few years and it'll be, the, it'll be the heartbreak of the 40 years that I've been preaching. That, that we've had a, a, a church has to operate on the basis of a few people when there are hundreds of people who make up the church who are not, in, who are not uh, involved in it. And the result of that is that people are doing things that they're not successful at, they're not, it's not easy for them, and it's certainly not delightful. But isn't it wonderful? Shake your head up and down if you agree. Isn't it wonderful when you're in a place where you know you're able to manifest your spiritual gift? Isn't that delightful? You look forward to it, don't you? You're excited about coming on Sunday or whenever you perform that, to do that work. And, and you look forward because you know it's something that you love and it brings success and God's going to bless it. Be interested in what God is doing in the area of results. Secondly, be interested in what others say to you in thanks of your efforts. Now let me show you something. Ninth chapter of Acts, verse 26. But when he had come to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples. That's the Apostle Paul, Saul. And they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas, hey, look at there. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And he was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. But when the brethren learned of it, that, that is, they were trying to kill the apostle, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. Now, take your little pinky and turn to the 11th chapter. I'll show you something. 11th chapter, same book, verse 20. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he had come and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Who is Barnabas? He's an encourager. He had the, he had the gift of exhortation. Now what did he do? He, 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 looked for Tar, he looked for Paul. He says, And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came about that for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And just read on down, it says that the word of God began to spread like a fire through the land. Now, the point is 
How do I know my spiritual gift? Listen to what others say to you. Now here was Barnabas who just said, hey, wait a minute. This guy, the Apostle Paul, has had a conversion experience. And let me tell you what this man has done. But, but the, the impressive thing was not that he confirmed Paul's conversion to the other people around, but that he helped the Apostle Paul discover his spiritual gift. Now, there are some people who may come up to you and say, hey, let me tell you what. When you teach, you just bless me, and I just get so much. You listen to that. Or maybe you have the gift of mercy, and somebody will say to you, you know, um, you, 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 the way you minister, it just helps me so much. And you understand that God sends people into your life to confirm in you what your spiritual gift might be. Now, how do you conclude a sermon that has no end to it? And this absolutely, this kind of thing just goes on and on. Let me conclude it by asking this question. If Paul had not, if Paul had been careless about his spiritual gift, how much of the Bible would we have? If Paul had been careless and neglected his spiritual gift, even though he was converted, how many thousands of people would have never heard the gospel? And I ask you this question. If you keep on neglecting your spiritual gift, how many people in Durant, Oklahoma, will live their Christian life out without being whole or complete? And how many people will be lost because you have crippled the church just by being careless and neglectful of your spiritual gift? That's a heavy question. And I hope it haunts you until we come back next week. And I'm going to talk to you about how to handle spiritual gifts without going overboard. We're not going to have an invitation tonight. I want you to join me in prayer. We'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you that when you saved us, you gave us spiritual gifts. And you didn't save us just to take us to heaven. You saved us in order that you might have a church, the body of Christ in the world. And you saved us, put us all together in order that we might reflect and reveal Jesus Christ in the world. And I pray, God, that we'll be so absorbed about our place, our spiritual gift that we'll never be able to neglect it anymore because I pray in Jesus' name and for His sake I ask. Amen. Good night, everybody. You're dismissed.